0: Johnny's reviews The movie review podcast and that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a thing This month's theme is prominent movies because I hate myself sometimes If last week's movie was a cheap rip-off of I Need Me on Street then this is well I can't answer that as I've always seen this once and i made it to the 40 minute mark before giving in all I remember is a bunch of useless characters, a mad priest, and awful bloody well acting. This just screams spec script. Gone is Madeleou, thank fuck. Gone is the stalker killer. Gone is the camp. And what is left feels like a TV movie trying to be a TV show. Like I said last week, I've owned these dvd boxes for years and only watched part one and two multiple times but the rest i have never also these dvds are pretty much bare bloody well bones so with that let's bless this movie of its sins and exercise this demon here it is prom night four deliver us from evil with its unknown budget this thing pulled in unknown i'm guessing straight to tape Starring Nicole de Boer, Aidan Kane, Joy Tanner, and Brock Simpson, directed by Clay Boris. The plot: It's prom night, nineteen fifty-seven, again, at Hamilton High. A young couple is having fun in the back seat of a car when suddenly an insane priest kills them. Thirty years later, the insane priest is let loose again, and wouldn't you know, it's prom night. However, as they're going to Hamilton High to deal with Mary Lou, the priest hunts down four rich students who ditched a prom for a private party at a summer house. Will the teen survive? Why let out the insane priest 30 years later? What's with Prom Night 1957 in Hamilton High? A find out here. So, the movie opens up on the church from Prom Night 2 as monks chant pops the creepy ass title. Inside empty church, the camera evil did way, along to a statue of Jesus Christ, as we see a priest is in prayer. We he him saying, quote, O Lord, help me save the sluts and horse from sin. Give me strength to guide him to your light, unquote, as his palms bleed from stigmata. On to Hamilton High Prom 1957, as we see reused footage from Prom Night 2. Well, the school and the dance anyway. It then zooms straight on to Brad, played by Phil Morrison, and Lisa, played by Krista Ballmer. She tells him her date, Larry, played by Colin Simpson, who is dancing with some other chick, isn't her boyfriend. She's just someone who took her to prom. And you know what? Cue the line. It's not who you come with, it's who takes you home. The line is not every single one of these bloody movies. The two kiss and then leave to have a cigarette, and then slow dance in a an doorway, and then go back to his car to have sex. As the two get hot and heavy, the insane priest sneaks up to kill them, first slitting her neck with a crucifix-turned knife, and then gutting him. And god damn, the prom in 1957 was not a good idea. I mean, first the prom queen gets roasted alive, and now this... Oh dear, the priest then blesses the car which sets a light as he walks off, da fuck? Next morning, at a private catholic school, St. Basil, is there a St. Basil? Hmm. The insane priest walks around the empty school and goes into a cupboard which instantly morphs into an underground passage with three other priests that find the insane priest whipping himself with the catine tails, da fuck movie? Here we finally find out the insane priest's name, Father Yannis, or Jonas, played by James Carver. He shows the senior priest, Father Jaeger, played by Ken McGregor. He has stigmata, he then kisses Jaeger and then bursts into laughter. What the actual fuck movie? He is then cartobied to the local nut house. Fast forward 30 plus years later, and it's 1991. Outside an old church we meet Father Colin, played by Brock Simpson. He's in every one of these fucking movies. Big whoop. I think this is his biggest role to date. He tells his girlfriend that he's off to Africa in the morning. So this is goodbye forever, when she asks. But what if? He says don't and just walks away. Ouch, love. (laughs) Inside, Father Yeager, over tea, tells Father Colin he's going to look after the insane priest. Not going to Africa. So with that, he takes him to the church's basement to show him his deadly secret. Or another church's deadly secret. Father Jonas, who is now in chains in a hidden room. And okay, just how big is this fucking church? First, the two priests take an elevator to the basement. Then, they walk up a long hallway down endless corridors. Finally reaching the cell. Is this a fucking TARDIS? I mean, for crying out loud. In his cell, Father Jonas... Has barely aged, only having a really bad fake beard put placed on his face. And saying that, Father Yeager's old man makeup looks like fucking shit. It looks like they took the skin off of custard and planted it straight to his face. Anyway, the two priests pray over Jonas, who has, quote, been taken by the devil. Uh, no, it's not It's schizophrenia or some other mental disorder. Maybe get him help and not chill him to a bed for 35 years? With the young priest and old priest praying over him Jonas does nothing the old priest then starts to cough so father colin takes him out on two shots of our hero megan played by nicole de boer of star trek ds9 fame up walks our rich boyfriend mark played by alden kane who is now a writer and producer of such things as the fringe he's complaining he can't see his girlfriend hello mate she's a catholic schoolgirl in an all girls school what the hell are you bitching at she's a fucking sure thing she's a slut it's sad but true all catholic schoolgirls are sluts. in fact all catholics are bloody well sluts cut to father colin standing over father yeager's grave i mean it literally cuts from mark mourning to megan about having uh, a tough time trying to get around the nuns to the gravesite the editing in this is whiplash inducing This feels like two very different scripts fighting it out to figure out which one will win. It does not mesh one little bit. Anyway, as Father Jaeger's body is lowered into the grave, we hear a voiceover from him telling Colin he is now in charge of Jonas, and to be careful... If Eunice awakes, he must contact a cardinal for help. As back to the Catholic school, Sister Jude, played by Caroline Twiddell, is cheering out two students, a boy and a girl, for making out in his car at lunchtime on church property. These two are Laura, played by Joy Tanner, and her boyfriend, Jeff, played by Ali Gahadbaum, what is his bloody name? She's laughing her head off as Jeff is stuttering, trying to deflect the nuns' verbal attacks, calling them sinful little sluts. As she says, they fucked in his car. Big wow! Outside, Jill, Jill, Jeff tells Laura she shouldn't have told the nuns they were fucking. She gets pissy with him, telling him no one tells her what to do, and she storms off. He then asks her to prom. Okay. At Hamilton High, so, is this a prompt for promate 3 then? Okay then. As they drive off, a tubular bill's wannabe music starts to play, because that's spooky, right? That night, Father Colin reads Father Yeager's diary and finds out the truth about Father Jonas. At first tried to get him help, but they found out he was far too dangerous, so put him in a state of catatonia and left him in a basement to rot. With that, Colin picks up all the drugs he can get his hands on and heads back down to the cell to put Jonas out of his misery once and for all. But wait, no! He shaves him and gives him a 90s haircut, dresses him like a priest, and then just lets him go. The fuck movie. Okay, I know tying up a nut job and pumping him full of drugs isn't the best thing to do, but letting a killer go? Really? That night... At Megan's, she and Laura is having a sleepover. Aren't they over sleepovers? They're fucking 18. Megan asks Laura where she was after lunch. So Laura tells her she was fucking Jeff. Then uh, pretends to pray for forgiveness, saying she faked it twice. So she's a complete slut then. Back at the church, Colin has a crisis of faith after talking to Jonas. So he calls his girlfriend but then hangs up because apparently Jonas is now psychic devil or something like that. I have no idea what hell this bit is. He starts seeing Jonas absolutely everywhere, so runs down to the basement to see if he's still tied to the bed. Once down there, Jonas quickly kills the idiot young priest and escapes by lifting him clear off the feet and throwing him clean across the room onto a solid stone wall. So is he possessed by the devil then? is he get demonic powers? What the fuck is happening here? Also, why hasn't he aged in 35 years? Anyway, back to Megan, she's making out with her boyfriend as her brother watches on getting off, and in fact, his sister is getting fed up by her boyfriend, The fuck, who wrote this shit? Colin wakes up hours later, being thrown into an altar, then onto a wall, that won't kill you. Okay then, so he now hunts down Father Jonas, Jonas, uh, Janus even, or Jonas, Get it, he's a two sides, one side's a priest, one side's a killer. Okay. Anyway, as we're saying, Father Colin is running down endless hallways to make it to the lift. He goes upstairs to check out the rooms, but Jonas is long gone. So he calls the Cardinal for help, but too bad Jonas is lying in wait as he choked Colin with the telephone cord. And he just walks off. Back to Megan. As I said, this was two scripts fighting each other, trying to figure out which will win. This does not mesh at all, and the editing is fucking shocking in this. Back to Megan, who is putting on silk stockings in her closets, as in walks Laura wearing a bran knicker set. She goes onto her lipstick, lizardine, much. This is all a joke to see if Megan is actually gay. The fuck. As the girls get dressed, the boys come down in their white tuxedos. With Mark asking Jeff if they have all sight for that night. Because apparently they're going to spend the whole weekend at his father's uh, summer home. Yet the girls have told them their mothers they're going to stay at Isha's house for that night. So how are they are going to spend the three f- nights? Anyway, Mark's little brother, Johnny, played by Fab Flippo, That has to be a fake name. Uh, he was the one that was spying on Megan earlier. So it wasn't Megan's little brother, thankfully. He's pretending to be sick. However, he tells Mark to go to the prom. He'll be fine. And once Mark leaves, he goes ex- up and falls then. Cut to the church, because this is how this is edited. The Cardinals arrive, and fake Colin's death. Make it look like it was a suicide, and it just leaves the body hanging. Charming. Cut to the 14s. Now in a limo, drinking school's over. It's prom night. Also, quote, let's drink to Jimmy Curtis. Nice nod. Uh, Father Jonas has hitched a ride into town from a redneck who he kills after he boasts he "quote loves the pussy." At prom, the teens arrive and Jeff moons the school and just drives off, as you do, driving out to Mark's summer house or Mark's parents' summer house. Why is there snow on the grounds? It's supposed to be May. I guess that's Canada for you. Father Jonas pulls it outside of the house, and wouldn't you notice a private school from 1957? And the teens go to Paris. And note, this house is the Valley Hala Estate in Rouge Park, Toronto. Mark shows the teens around and then complains about the funky smell, so check out and finding out hundreds of pounds of meat is just lying there on the basement floor. Mark then finds out the house has been robbed. Everything is taken, including the fridge, the freezer, and the cooker. Who the fuck steals a cooker? And why raid just the kitchen um, equipment when there's like jewellery and TVs and shit all over the house? I mean, uh, moving on. Laura also wants to party however. Uh, Megan wants to call the cops and just leave. She's quickly then shot down because it's party time! Uh, Outside, Jonas breaks in after he spies on the girls trying to cook for the boys. Well, Megan is anyway, she wants to cook, but all she wants to do is fuck, like I says, Catholic schoolgirl. So, good girl versus slut, who will die first? Mm. As the boys check out, sorry, clean out the rotten meat in the basement, Jonas sneaks in. In the basement, the boys find a wine cellar and help themselves to bottles of wine wine because apparently the father's insured so it's okay to steal the wine as you do again there's hundreds of bottles of vintage wine in the basement but the the thieves don't steal that it's just a cooker and a freezer for reasons anyway back to the girls as megan is cooking a feast of cold tomato soup and rice scrummy laura goes outside to get wood uh, for the fire as father jonas stalks after her inside jeff teases mark over the gift he has bought megan to wear for this weekend it's black lacy underwear he tells him he's onto a good thing megan sees this but instead of blowing her top she takes underwear and goes upstairs to try it on so she's going to blow mark's top then see told you catholic girls are all whores upstairs in the bathroom megan has tried on the brand panties she looks nervous and frankly fucking frozen I swear to God, she's literally turning fucking blue. But, but there's a whole running story about But she thinks she's too fat because she's got curves and swerves and us crap. And Laura's the perfect blonde and yada yada yada. Anyway, Laura goes up to check on her and says she looks hot. And I'm getting heavy lipstick lesbian vibes from her. Or what the writer-director thinks a lesbian is. Laura then says... Thank you, Jesus, that Mark is a man-whore, and he is not a virgin like her, so he's nothing but a cherry popper then, a chicken hawk, a wham-bam, thank you. Next. Much later than at night, Megan finally comes down dressed in her prom dress. She starts to flirt with Mark. Sweetheart, it's a done deal already. At dinner, Jeff comes up with a ridiculous idea of playing confessional, where they tell each other their dirtiest little secrets. Laura says no, she tells nobody her dirty little secrets, as Megan tells a group, she tells a priest, absolutely everything. This does not sit well with Mark, who is squirming in his seat. Later, while dancing badly, Megan walks off to get more wine from the cellar, all alone. Here she finds a small broken Jesus statue on a floor, but thinks nothing of it. Picks it up and just leaves it by the bottles. Why? She then picks up a bottle, but Mark being our complete kid sneaks up behind her and spooks her she drops the bottle and stands on the bottle to cut her foot opened wide meanwhile upstairs laura and jeff start to fool around finally with 30 minutes left Jonah sneaks back into the house and the killings can fucking happen i swear to god there is nothing in this movie it's fucking dawson's creek meets scream. screen i want to be Mark carries Megan upstairs into the living room, then leaves her on a sofa to get a first aid kit for her foot. The telephone rings, she answers it, it's Jonas, telling her he knows what she's done, she's a whore and she's dead. Mark returns, so Megan tells him about the phone call, but yes, you've guessed it, he thinks it's Jeff playing a prank on him. Meanwhile, upstairs, Jeff and Laura are playing hide the sausage. And this scene is shot in softcore porn realness in vassal Cam galore. From the floor vent, Jonas is watching and listening. And I'm getting heavy Black Christmas vibes from this. He returns to his priesty hidey hole to get his crucifix knife because it's still there 35 years later. Hmm. You think the fucking priest would have got rid of that thing, but never mind. As... Outside, Mark's little brother is videotaping Jeff and Laura having sex. What a fucking little pervert he is. By the way, he's sitting in a tree because the bedrooms are on the second floor. Next second, Jonas has him on the ground and stabs him with the crucifix knife. Again, the editing in this thing is fucking shocking. Now done, Laura walks off leaving Jeff to bask in post-sex aglow. After her shower, Laura turns to Jeff who is under the covers. She thinks he's asleep. Suddenly she hears a weird noise coming from outside the room like a demon dog trying to get in. It's Jeff who is left to get yet more wine and his hands are full with wine glasses. Too bad it was Jonas in the bed as he kills Laura off screen. Jeff is pissing into the bedroom so goes to Mark to ask if there's a key for the bedroom which he says there isn't. So, all three go to find out what happened to Laura. The door, however, is opened, and the room is a complete utter state. No Laura, however. They all hunt for her splitting up, but of course. Megan, who isn't limping by the way, sends Mark into the wine cellar all alone. He finds blood, as upstairs, Jeff looks all alone in all the bedrooms. Mark finds the priest's hiding hall and checks out he finds Jonas's hiding place with upside down crucifixes on the wall also a sack with blood on it as back to Jeff who is now in the attic more black christmas vibes as we see what he thinks is Laura sitting in a rocking chair it's Jonas who has scalped Laura and has put on her clothes wait so this is now cycle then as you do anyway he kisses Jeff says the lord's prayer while crushing his skull What's with the gay vibes? I mean, Mark shows Megan the priest's hidey hole and tells her he never knew it was down there. Yet his family has had this estate for 20 plus years. Not once did they look in the badly hidden door in the fucking wine cellar. Moving on, they go upstairs to continue to look for Laura and now Jeff. After five full minutes of searching, they find candles lit in the attic, but no one is there. Megan finds Jeff's blood, while Mark sees someone lurking in the woodshed. Out they go to the woodshed. They find nothing until Megan sees something in the woods. Suddenly, the crucified bodies of Jeff and Laura explode in fire. With that, Megan and Mark run back into the house. Megan tries to call the police, but the lines are down. So she calls the operator to get help. Okay. In the wine cellar, Mark gets his father's gun. Jonas tries to sneak up behind Megan. Luckily, Mark sees him and she runs to hide. So it's now on, Mark versus Jonas. Mark tries to load the gun, but he fails, so runs off as Jonas stalks after him. In this, we hear a poor man's Halloween theme music playing. I mean, it's a revolver, so he has to put the bolts in one at a time, so hmm. Mark runs up to the attic as outside, Megan finds Mark's little brother's dead body and freaks the fuck out. Mark has made his way out onto the snow-covered roof. How very Halloween 4 of this movie. So, Jonas stabs him from inside, this causes Mark to fire wildly. So, Jonas then stabs him through the foot. This causes him to drop the gun and fall off the bloody well roof. Megan sees him fall to his death from inside the house, so runs out to see what's happening. Jonas is now standing on the roof, throws his knife into Mark, which impels him through the heart as Megan screams and freaks the fuck out. Hello, love. You now have a weapon. Go on the fucking attack. Seconds later, and I do mean seconds later, Jonas is behind her. Did he fucking teleport off the bloody well roof? She runs inside, ditches her boots, and hides in the cellar, with Jonas giving chase, because apparently the boots have mud on it. Uh, okay, then... By the way, we're into the final 15 minutes, and this is the longest 15 minutes in fucking film history. Also, where I'm at it, why go in the bloody bell cellar? There's no way out, plus there's no fucking weapons. Jonas stalks after her, she stands on a broken wine bottle yet again. Jonas hears this, and it's now a cat and mouse game. Uh, she hides so he can't find her until he stands on the wine bottle so she knows where the hell he is. She runs out and closes the door behind her. Not locking it, but she fucking closes it. There's a parlock on a fucking door, love. Ah, God. Now Jonas has to follow the two bloody footprints to find her. Which, she still isn't selling the fucking cut feet. Both of them now. She hides in a cupboard under the stairs, sprays them with bug spray in the eyes, when he finds her with relative ease, she then runs off to hide. She runs outside to get the now empty gun, so has to go back inside to get some bullets. Who in the fuck wrote this shit? She was in the kitchen, shouldn't she have him up a frying pan, stabbed him with knives and then ran him through his own fucking weapon to be sure he's dead? But no, she has to go outside get fucking a five shot gun, which probably miss all his bullets, all the shots with, then run back inside to get fucking bullets for this thing. Oh, to make things worse she only picks up three bullets there's a whole fucking box of bullets on the ground she picks up three bullets anyway the phone rings again and a silly bitch fucking answers it it's the state police but jonas tells them it's a false alarm and hangs up from another room that's not how phones worked in the fucking 90s i mean if you're oh, moving the fuck on she then hunts down jonas with the three shot gun or three bullets in a gun at arm's fucking length she finds him in a side window and fires twice missing wildly instead of getting more bullets she runs outside where Jonas is on her in a second what the fuck is he chasing fucking bodies she fires wildly missing four times so this is a magic gun of unlimited ammunition anywho she runs to the woodshed and of course she falls and can't get up Jonas sensing blood in the water. So he teleports to the woodshed. She shoots him in the shoulder. He's down but not out. Or. Be careful. This is been a killer. Go back to life. One final scare. Thanks. Thank you, Randy. She prays for wickedness. Jonas blesses the shed with hill fire, which sets it alight. Makes or a shovel and brains Jonas with it. This sets him alight somehow, and he burns up. She runs outside the shed as the shed blows up behind her. So who knew fucking logs were explosive? Next morning, she's taken away in an ambulance. And in an ambulance, a priest gives the burned-up to shit Jonas' last rites as he springs to life as credits roll. One thing, before I wrap this thing up, why is there snow on the ground in May? Unless it's Canada, but really Canada. Anyway, that was Promenade 4. Deliver is from EVIL. This feels like a spec script with Prom slapped on it. Because that's no fucking prom. Thankfully, Father Jonas didn't become a horror icon. See, this was a problem with horror in the 90s. It felt like a copy and paste job. I don't get me wrong here. Some of the kills were good. But the backstory for the priest wasn't there. Was he possessed or just bug nuts crazy? Where did he get Crucifix snakes from? And why the fuck this house. Anyway, none of the teens are likeable or indeed smart. They're just cannon fodder for this fucking priest. The editing is weird as fuck and all over the bloody place. Plus, it was too dark to see anything. I just didn't like this movie. It just did not mesh or feel right. For that, I'm gonna give this thing a very generous 3 out of 10. Still, come back this week as I wrap up the series with Promate Remake. June is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, July is Jaws, and August is awesomely awful 80s movies. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Pod, and email me with suggestions to Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror franchise podcasts of House, Scary Movie, Final Destination, Hellraiser, Blade, and a more. Also, my solo podcast of Screamed Exorcist, Anyone Else Street 3, Doom, and many, many, many more. Hey, bye. And remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to to confess the sins of this awful bloody well movie.